All right, welcome to Good Company with Leah Cotton and Stephanie Batstone. Leah and Stephanie are entrepreneurs, moms, and lifelong learning enthusiasts. This podcast is all about their pursuit to learn from the interesting women they know and want to know. Today, we'll be learning from Laura Simpson. She is the CEO and co-founder of Side Door, based in Halifax. Side Door helps amazing musicians out there who maybe don't have representation still get heard by the world. We'll discuss that in a moment. But first, let's say hello to our hosts, Leah and Stephanie. How are things today, ladies? Things are good, Steve. Thanks so much. Really excited about this conversation with Laura today. As Absolutely. We're... Yeah. And sorry, Steve, I was just going to say it's good to see you again. It's been a bit of a hiatus. It, it has. It, so it, we're really glad to be back. Yeah. Well, let's catch up a little bit here because uh, obviously since we last got together, I think for an episode, we've had the world starting to get back to normal a little bit. Uh, and Stephanie, I'll ask you first, like, do you feel like whether it's business or family life, like things are starting to normalize a little bit? I think I felt that for the first time really during March break. So a couple of, you know, it, it, we, we went away for March break with the kids and we went down to Florida and it's really normal there. <laughs> really normal. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, there was no masks and there was no distancing and there was no COVID um, by the looks of things. And it felt so normal and it was really easy to get back into it. It took all of about a minute to just shift and go, oh, here we are. So it was great to come back to, and, you know, on, in Ontario to having kind of less restrictions again. And, and even though people are a little nervous about it, it is starting to feel a little more normal. Um, and it's a great feeling. How about you, Leah? Yeah, I completely agree. I'm getting ready to do some overseas travel for work, which was a foreign concept uh, up until very recently. So yeah, feeling really good. Lots more human interaction, more conversation with people in person, which feels really nice. Um, and, and actually getting the kids acquainted, like it's scary how much it's impacted them. Right. So I had uh, one of my boys out in an event recently and I had to tell him three or four times to take his mask off. Like he had gotten comfortable with wearing or being behind the mask, which is, I find super concerning. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready for things to open up and go back to normal for sure. Yeah. I think most of the world is, uh, well, let's get back to the, uh, the podcast and, uh, we've got a couple of uh, episodes all lined up for this week. We'll, uh, talk about our next episode. Well, at the end of the show, we have an episode to tackle here, first of all. And it's, of course, as I mentioned off the top, Laura Simpson. She's the CEO and co-founder of Side Door. How are you today, Laura? Great. Nice to see you all. Nice to see you as well. What is your connection to Stephanie and Leah? Uh, first time meeting Stephanie, uh, but had the great fortune of having a long familial history with Leah. Our grandfather's uh, our grand- grandparents lived next door to each other from the time that they were married in Cape Breton. Wow. Very so nice. our families grew up next to each other and have been very close ever since. Incriminating history. Very. None of which we will uh, touch on today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do like East Coast music. I got to say, I, I'm uh, probably maybe leaning toward a little more old school, like the Rankin family and Great Big C, but... I know there's new acts coming out all the time. Maybe that's a good place to start um, with um, some of your many affiliations, Laura, with the East Coast music scene. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I basically started in this scene as a journalist and a photographer. So I was jumping up on stage and trying to grab live shots and then interviewing people when they came to town. 
Um, and then I really kind of took a break. I was a proper journalist for a few years, but my sort of real job that I got into was working for Music Nova Scotia, which is an industry association to help artists basically make a career. And so they would be helping out the great big C's and that sort of thing, get a start and, um, you know, find funding. I became the funding program officer. So I was helping people go on tours and market their albums. Um, and then I left there and became an entrepreneur in the industry. And that takes us to Side Door, right? Let's talk a little bit about what Side Door is all about. Yeah, and I it wasn't a direct movement from uh, the leaving of the job to there. I was sort of Side Door was a concept and idea for sure um, back as far back as 2015. Um, but I did start another company in between called the Syrup Factory, which is an artist services company. It's sort of like you know, hiring somebody to help promote your album or, you know, manage a tour and that sort of thing. Um, that company is still going, but I did, um, basically wireframe side door back in 2015 as a technological solution for people who wanted to create shows in their own spaces that weren't, you know, they may not be actual promoters. They may not be an actual venue, but they wanted to open up a space for an artist to perform. And so that allowed us to basically, you know, figure out what is this look like from a pedestrian point of view? Like, can anybody basically show up and on our platform and create a show with an artist? Um, and that's what we did. So we, we formulated that in 2017 and we've gone from there. Laura, I just want to start by saying thank you so much for being here. I mean, um, as you noted at the top of the show that we've known each other a long time, lots of personal history. Um, no, we haven't really caught up in a meaningful way professionally. So I'm excited about this conversation. Um, but one of the things that we're touching on and we have touched on in previous conversations is kind of the winding path to success. And so everything you've just told us sounds really neat and tidy, but I know because I know you that it hasn't been a straight line, right? It has been a winding path. And I think just helping people understand that you probably didn't set out to be an entrepreneur. Am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I think there's a really interesting thing you do when you create your story after the fact, which is you connect the dots in a, like you say, a clean way. Um, but I wanted to be a writer and I thought I might be a journalist for a while. And I also still dream of being a postal carrier because that feels nice. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it didn't, I think the entrepreneurship started because I had a problem that I deeply wanted to solve and I couldn't not do it anymore. That's where it came from. You, one of the things that I read that you did in between the two companies, and I'm I'm guessing from the way you just told your story, it was after you had wireframed Side Door, you took a bit of a hiatus and you went to LA where you had a mentor who helped take you through, you know, um, and 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 develop the idea. I suppose can you tell us about that? Because I think the whole idea of having a mentor, mentorship especially as a woman, many of us don't ever get that in our career. And so I was really fascinated that you, you were able to, to make that connection and how did that help you? Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm probably one of these people who over researches and over prepares for some things when you, you know, I'm getting better at sort of jumping in. 
but I, when I left Music Nova Scotia, I really wanted to know a little bit more about the music industry. I mean, before that, I was taking vacation and working at the jazz festival or taking vacation and working at the East Coast Music Awards. And so I was always trying to learn. And then I knew of this mentorship program that basically would help um, your living wages until, you know, while you're, you know, working with somebody else for a period of time. So I was supposed to go to Los Angeles for a year and I was going to take my family I have two kids at the time they were just turning five and seven. And um, actually that was the point in Nova Scotia where the film tax credit um, situation was happening, which basically means the film industry was in crisis. And my husband is a filmmaker. So that mattered a lot to us. And he became a huge um, part of trying to rectify that situation. So we decided that he would stay uh, and look after the kids and I would go for a shorter amount of time. So I went for four months in 2015. This is like definitely something that not a lot of mothers for sure get to experience is like leaving everyone and everything behind for four months. Um, but, you know, I went because I really wanted to understand the industry from the biggest center of entertainment in the world, Los Angeles. and. Um, I landed and I thought I was going really for a mentorship, but it turned out that I was, a, I turned out to be supporting a startup that was trying to change the way that things worked. Um, and they were actually the template for the Sierra factory of like artist services, like how to serve an artist without taking a commission of everything they do. So it was like in and around my sort of life mission, which is how do we support artists without extracting from them? Um, and, but I turned up and they were like, well, we, can you help us write the business plan? And how, can you help advise on this? Cause they actually saw my experience as an asset that could be used. So I did as much advising as I did mentoring, which was incredible. And that mutual relationship basically helped me understand a few things, including the fact that nobody cares what you did in Canada. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like it really is the center of the universe in terms of the entertainment industry there. And like, if you were on the charts in Canada, it didn't matter, you know? So that was an eye opener. And also just a big awareness of, it was the beginning of the direct to fan movement, direct to consumer movement. Um, it was the beginning of understanding, you know, like, how venues were thinking about working differently or were in crisis themselves, like couldn't sustain themselves. So there's all these little pieces I was picking up and gathering that would build into the things I did later. So what, go ahead, Leah. No, you go ahead, Steve. Our token mail needs at least a couple of questions. In this a absolutely. Or I'll just, uh, I'll go get my baby bottle if I don't get my own. <laughs> um, so uh, whether it's the side door or the syrup factory, I mean, these are great ideas but was it a hard idea to get off the ground? I mean, you know, you think about the promotion that's required, letting musicians know about it. There's obviously a deep need for what you were providing, but was it, was it a tricky thing to get going? Yeah. I mean, it still is. We're, you know, five years into it. Um, the artists that were working with the syrup factory, um, a lot of their work dried up and so did the syrup factory. So the syrup factory is in kind of like a dormant phase. I haven't been actively working in it for a long time. I handed it over to a partner. Um, and side door is in a huge moment of flux. Like we had 
you know, this ramping up doing in-person shows, starting to work in the U.S. more, and then the pandemic hit and we had to pivot. And so that's when we went into online shows, but now that's falling off again. And so we're, we're basically going back to the drawing board and re-emerging into the in-person world. So it's not for sure, not a, you know, direct climb up the mountain. There's a lot of ups and downs. It's a roller coaster and it's about, it's always been about coming back to the mission and seeing how we can serve. And Laura, how do you find balance in all of that? I mean, I know how passionate you are about what you do professionally. And you talked about your husband, Scott, and the industry that he's in. And I know he's equally passionate about what it is that he does. And you talked about taking a hiatus away from Scott and the kids for a few months. Like, I'm just curious, how do you find balance in all of it? And how do you ensure that work and life doesn't, you know, or personal life doesn't bleed together? Uh, What is it that you do to take care of yourself and manage those two hats? Um, It's not always well managed. (laughs) Um, I don't know if anybody can say that it is, but um, it's, you know, we like our family, especially Scott and I align on a lot of things in terms of like what's important. And we've always championed each other and like following our passions and doing what we want to do. So that's a really, I remember when, you know, we were first together, I was like, what if I want to be a foreign correspondent and I'm going to go to a war-torn country and it's like, we'll figure it out. And I knew from that moment, I was like, okay, we're going to figure this out, whatever this looks like, even if it is messy sometimes. But I use a lot of, um, I protect my time quite a bit. So I time block almost everything in my day. Um, it's not incredibly rigid, but I just make sure that I make time for the things that I need to do both personal and professional. Um, and I really find joy in my community and my family. Like I really know how important that is, you know, and I also deeply, um, recharge in, nature and an exercise. So I, you know, I go swimming, I play basketball, I do yeah. yoga, I go to the woods, I walk my dog. Like I, I really find all those things recharge my battery as much as possible. And, and did the pandemic make you reprioritize things or were you already there? Oh no, for sure. So we ended up um, quarantined for a long time in Cape Breton, like, you know, with not really anybody around and there is so much grounding that happens out there, as you know, where, um, when it feels like things are really unreal and very hard to grasp. I mean, I spent so much time Mm -hmm. in the woods during those days, so much time looking at the ocean and just feeling completely part of the natural world and being like, this is my starting place. This is where we well, because being quarantined with not many people around is just like normal life. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's it. And the, I think that's actually really true, though, because it was normalized to be alone mm-hmm. in that space because and you didn't feel lonely. You you were surrounded by beauty all the time. And that was incredibly nourishing mm-hmm. when it was hard. Yeah. Laura, so what I also grew up in a small town in rural Saskatchewan, 
uh, not on the ocean, <laughs> but you could see forever. Um, and and I think Lee and I have really bonded over the fact that we're come we come from these small places, um, and then you know we're in these kind of careers that we would never have imagined when we were little girls. To be honest, living where we lived. But we do believe that we, both of us have talked about this, about the lessons that we take forward. And have you thought about that? Can you share what that's like to, to start in, you know, a, a small rural place in like in Cape Breton and find yourself in LA, the Mecca of the entertainment industry for those months and back again. And, you know, what, what are the real lessons that you've taken forward um, having that upbringing? Um, I can talk to anybody and I believe that I should talk to everyone and, and everyone has a right to be heard and listened to, um, the interconnectedness of everything is so obvious in a small town when you can't get away from everyone knowing everything. Like I, I really am, you know, conscious. I, I'm not. I'm not afraid to say what I think and do what I want to do, but I'm conscious of not burning bridges. It's a, it's a fine line. Um, and yeah, just like a lot of humility, you know, not taking myself too seriously, not like finding joy and laughter a lot, like really not getting too caught up in, you know, the rat race or, you know, ego or, Things that are not, again, what I perceive as real, um, like the the sort of posts that you set for yourself, like those are those are constructed. But you know, if at the, at the end of the day, my kids can look up to me and say that I'm, you know, treating people right and providing for my community and having a good laugh, then I've done my job. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Well I'm curious. Just you start talking about people and the different types of people and. Uh, just, just an interest, you know, you worked in a big way in journalism, as you alluded to at the beginning here, and, and now you work in a big way in the entertainment industry. I'm curious what the difference in the people that you engage with and the way those people operate in those different industries. And I guess the reason I'm poking at that is, you know, Stephanie and I work in a box, you know, we work in the defense industry and there is a very specific type of person that we deal with, to be honest. Um, and so I'm curious, I'm curious what, how that shapes us, you know, and, um, how it impacts the path that we take, um, how it impacts, how we define success, you know, and, and, the areas that we find interesting and intriguing, you know, we like to poke at gender for obvious reasons. You know, we work in a male dominated industry. So I'm just curious, you know, are there things that you've taken away from working in two very different and distinct industries? So interesting. Yeah. I mean, I remember feeling like there was a lot of cynicism in journalism. Like the reason, one of the reasons I left was because I felt like we weren't doing journalism anymore. Like I was showing up on site and being asked to tweet out whatever was happening. I'm like, I haven't even talked to anybody right. yet. You know, I haven't done the fact finding. I haven't verified sources. I haven't, you know, considered the evidence and then tried to repackage into something more meaningful. This is eyewitness news. This is not journalism anymore. And I knew that that feeling was pretty pervasive amongst my peers. And 
it kind of led to people feeling pretty empty about what they were doing. Like they had set out to do one thing and they were basically mm-hmm. doing something else. So there was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of sad journalists who are still in that field for sure. Um, and then when I got into the music world, I mean, there's just a lot of personality. Yeah. I think when I got my first job, um, the Chris, the first Christmas party I had at my first job in the music industry, I was given a weed cookie unknowingly. <laughs> like I was high within an hour with the entire board and my, my other staff mates around me. And I was like, what's happened? I feel. And my boss who gave it to me was like laughing and he's like, haha, welcome, you know, welcome to the club. Like we're going to have a good time tonight. And I was like, what? <laughs> that is not what Christmas parties look like for us. Just for the record. <laughs> Just for the right. Exactly. So it was like, you know, like this, this entering this constant partying world. And honestly, part of what I'm doing now is in response to that of like, guys, we're not circling around artists and having a party that's because it's fun for us. Yeah. We only exist because these artists are putting their hearts on their sleeves and putting it out there. So respect that work, you know? Yeah. Um, not that I don't want to go and have a good time, but like, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's, it is interesting. I mean, I, I, I wonder about, you know, the defense world and how people get caught up in that idealism and like making sure that they feel like what their job is doing is important, you know? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think we all do that just human nature, right? We want to feel like we exist with purpose, you know? It's probably a good day to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, Stephanie, for us. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. For the record, I did call Leah this morning and say, I'm not sure what we're doing. <laughs> why, why did we choose to do this? Did we do it wrong? Is this the right path? <laughs> Which is, uh, I think, a constant um, question that entrepreneurs ask themselves, right? Like, uh, this isn't an easy thing that you're doing, Laura, right? You're, you're, making something that didn't exist before. Um, I think Lee and I, we're also doing that, even though you can say, okay, you're a consultancy and you're in that box and you're a consultancy, you're in the defense industry, you're in that box, but there is nobody doing what we do within those boxes. And, and that gets hard some days when you don't have something to look at, something to model, um, something out there that you can say, oh, I, but I could do that better. Um, and you're in that situation right? You have created a a new idea and you're going after it. Um, it, it's a, it's a very different place to be. I think one of the things that also really interested me about your, your path is that you've gone out and you've taken that step and brought on investors, which we have not done. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it, it seems like a scary step to, uh, to me (laughs) and maybe it was very natural for you, but, um, you know, as a, as a woman entrepreneur, how did you, how did you go about that? Um, yeah, it's weird. Um, (laughs) I, it's really hard for me to put myself back in that place of before I asked for investment, but I remember, I do remember the first time somebody said they would give us even like a thousand dollars. And I was like, what? That's amazing. Wait, you have a thousand dollars to spare? Like who has a thousand dollars to spare? Cause I, you know, I always worked in the arts. I had never had any money. And, um, I was just amazed, amazed that people would invest 
in us. And as soon as I realized that they would, then I was like, okay, it's on. Like, I'm going to Robin Hood the F out of this situation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we raised four and a half million dollars in the last five years. And uh, from friends and family, angels, um, industry folks, artists, and uh, VCs, two VCs actually came in, venture capitalists. And um, to be honest, like my co-founder, who's a touring artist himself, Dan Mangan, and I pitch always with full honesty <laughs> and transparency about what we know and what we don't know. And so we've actually been very fortunate to end up with investors who care a lot about what we're doing and and totally trust us. So it's never felt like we were now on some sort of track that we didn't want to be on. Um, Sometimes you do imagine those are tracks laid ahead of you, but I've learned that, you know, like literally today, I, I said to one of my investors, you need to explain that acronym because I don't know what you're saying. I did not go to business school. You need to stop speaking in acronyms. And, you know, I'm not afraid to say that right. anymore because I'm, I'm the one who's running the company and I'm the one he's invested in. So I can't pretend yeah. to be somebody else. You know, that it's funny. That's where I think what we're doing really our two paths meet is, I mean, I think as consultants, we have to put ourselves in the line all the time and we have to be our authentic selves all the time. And when we have a client entrust us with their business, it's like they're investing in us. Right. I mean, I know it's not exactly the same, um, but I think it really does allow us to check ourselves on a regular basis, right? And have those honest conversations about, are we being honest, you know, to ourselves, to our clients, to to this whole venture? And so it's interesting to hear you talk about that um, because I really think that I feel that way as a consultant mm-hmm. on a daily basis, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you get to a point where, especially after the pandemic, where people are like, I don't want to waste anyone's mm-hmm. time or money anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing here? Let's not mess around. So true. So- totally legit that way. I'm sure some of our listeners are are listening. I mean, all three of you have done this, uh, this amazing uh, starting of your own businesses, uh, fantastic entrepreneurs. And I'm sure a lot of people would be curious, uh, Laura, if you have any advice for them on starting your own business. And I'm I'm, I'm asking this selfishly because I've just sort of like you kind of pivoted. I did like 30 years in radio and now I'm doing all these independent media. So it's not a stark transition, but it's a transition all the same for sure. What kind of advice would you have for people starting their own business? Yeah, we're all in this together. So just know that everybody you meet matters to whatever's going to happen next, uh, both professional and personal. Like I just really deeply believe that that has never guided me wrong. Um, And because of that, you have to be yourself and not pretend to be somebody else or pretend like you you know, are doing something that you're not, but at the same time, imposter syndrome is a real thing. And you're probably going to feel uncomfortable most of the time. And as David Bowie says, that's how, you know, you're doing the right thing. So just stick with that and like manage the discomfort with some really nice breaks with your family and friends, but then dive right back in and get uncomfortable again. Good advice. (laughs) Very good advice. 
advice. <laughs> I'm just thinking what's next, Laura. Like, I, I think you have been named a finalist in the um, innovative business of the year. Is that right? Yeah. Friday, we will know if we get an award for that. It will. It's interesting being in the Halifax Business Awards because I don't think there's a lot of arts related businesses involved, like maybe none. So, um, which is fine. I'm used to that. Um, yeah, we're, what's next for us is going back to the core reason we started and really trying to create spaces for people to play, um, and turning the existing funnel of the music industry where only certain people get through and turning it more in like into like a sieve where we believe that there's an audience out there for just about anyone who's doing mm -hmm. decent work. Um, we really champion underrepresented voices. We really look to give more access to audiences. We really believe in creating spaces that are safer for you know, queer folks, BIPOC folks, um, indigenous folks, like people with disabilities, people who, who are not comfortable around alcohol. Like there's so much opportunity in our space to give an environment that's mm -hmm. better mm -hmm. for everyone. Um, and we can do that with small intimate shows in alternative spaces, anything from a backyard to a barn, to a warehouse, to a winery. It doesn't matter. We just want to be able to facilitate those kinds of shows where you come away and you feel like, okay, let's do this. Life is better. We can yeah. do, you know, that's what we want yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So we're going to just dive back into that. I love it. Well, it's probably about time we organize something here on the East coast, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, we like to end each episode with these lightning round questions for our guests, uh, Laura. And I always seem to have follow-up questions that wreck it. So I will try to be, <laughs> not asking follow-up questions with my natural curiosity. It's 12 questions to help us get to know Laura Simpson better. Are you game, Laura? I am game. Excellent. Here we go. The dirty dozen. Talk or text? Oh, talk. Ask permission or beg forgiveness? Beg for, for, for uh, forgiveness, for sure. TV series or book series? Uh, TV series. Anything in particular right now? Binging on anything? Uh, yeah. Well, just finished watching Broad City for the second time. <laughs> okay. Uh, swim with the sharks or swim with the dolphins? Dolphins. Seems natural. Uh, vacation, snow or sun? Hmm. Sun, although I'm not a winter hater by any means. Oh, I am. Best age, 20s or 40s? Oh, 40s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Coffee, make or buy? Make. Lead singer or drummer? I, I am actually learning how to drum right now, and I'm definitely not a lead singer. <laughs> How's it coming along? <laughs> um, better now that we can gather for the lessons. <laughs> there you go. Okay, fair enough. Climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Oh, climb a mountain for sure. I can't even think about jumping from a plane. No. Real life hero. Who might that be? Oh, well, maybe appropriate to this conversation, my grandfather, Bill, who we lost in 2020. Um, 
he just had the best energy ever. And I really admired him. Lovely. If you had more spare time, how would you use it? I'd probably play more with my family. And something, as we wrap this up, number 12, something most people don't know about you. Okay. Um, I, so much of my life is public now. It's weird. Um, I am currently surrounded by about five loads of unfolded laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? I love that. <laughs> Isn't that just a common state? <laughs> I'm feeling, so. that, I'm feeling that was Leah digging <laughs> diabolically for information there somehow. somehow. <laughs> I can tell you, How did you know? It's quite embarrassing. I'm just like, it's done. It's just not folded. It's right there. <laughs> it's the putting away. It's the yeah. putting away, right? Yeah. yeah. So, well, Laura Simpson has been our guest today. Is there anything we can plug for you that might be helpful, Laura? Uh, go to sidedooraccess.com and anybody can sign up to be a host. You can open up a space as small as a 20 person space and we can help deliver artists to your location whether it's a private show or a public show and we would love to do that we have shows all over north america and into europe and the uk very cool that's great amazing laura simpson is the co-founder of side door and she has been good company today thanks for being with us laura oh such a pleasure thanks you guys thanks laura thank you as always all right, that'll do it for today's show. We invite you to subscribe or follow so you'll automatically be notified when new episodes come out. In the meantime, thanks for spending some time with us today, and we'll talk to you next time.